All right, let's get started with prayer if we can, put our time in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the fact that you are a relentless God who has a passionate desire to want to commune and have fellowship with each of us. Father, so many times we do not have that front and center in our very middle of our souls and Father, we ask as we begin this journey together that you would help us um, learn how to do that. Father, we thank you that you um, love us with an everlasting love, a faithful love, a love that has no ends. Father, a love that is eternal. Father, we thank you that um, as we meet this morning, Father, that you would open up your scriptures to us, that you would um, use the very... Um, words that are there, Father, to um, to ignite uh, the flames in our hearts towards uh, pursuit of You, Father. May we um, the objective of today, Father, have a a very crystal clear um, understanding of the calling that You have us in this life, and uh, Father, may we. Um, may you settle and calm uh, all the agitations and um, pullings of life during this next hour. And Father, may we be able to concentrate with all we can to what you want to accomplish in our souls. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, so uh, wanted to pick up kind of where we left off last week and... Uh, we have uh, started a study on intimacy with God, and it's really about developing a God-centered life, and uh, um, really this how to develop a heart after God. So like we said, it's our, our intent will be to not only um, explain why we should do what we want to do, which, by the way, why and what in these first orientate in the orientation component of what we're going to be talking about will sp- will be a majority of the f- of the focus that we have because our intent in these first weeks is really to cement in our hearts um, a commitment towards a journey or a quest which is an, an intentional uh, decision of the heart towards something that is like of most important in our life and so. Uh, we will come at it from multiple dimensions and ways uh, in the orientation, uh, but my 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 goal um, is to follow up from Sam um, and uh, build on what he uh, started last week, which is kind of ready, set, go, and then to build on that um, with a crystal clear understanding of the call that uh, Dave and Sam and I are calling ourselves and you two over the next nine to nine months to a year, whatever. And with that clarity of call, I want to break it down into three decisions that I'm um, going to be asking all of us to cement. And so just because you might not have uh, filled that out, the three-by-five card last week, um, over the next few weeks you'll get a chance to... Um, to, to do that if, if you haven't yet already. Um, 
this, or, this orientation that we have here, um, last week we looked at image bearer. Um, the other components of this study are building a foundation, which really is going to be about like uh, uh, focusing on the character of God, both his transcendent characters and his personal characters, and understanding how to, how to be able to um, navigate our relationship with God from the standpoint of standing in awe of him to the standpoint to, to the to, to the to the other side of that, which is having intimacy with him, and so our ability to be able to see that clearly, uh, uh, situational awareness on the battlefield from the standpoint of we are in a war. What does that look like? Um, what does it look like internally? What does it look like in the environment around me? Um, and who? Is, what is our adversary about? Uh, and and then what does it look like within me? Um, God's discipline in our lives and how to, how to really frame that up and understand that so that it would, um, it would um, secure my soul when I hit the rocks of adversity and difficulty and suffering so that when I'm in the midst of those things or even as I'm going into those things, I can declare with absolute confidence that God is sovereign and He has my best interest at heart. That is something that like, all of us have the privilege to be able to come to grips with personally. I can't do it for you. We have to do it for ourselves from the standpoint of having clarity to that. It's like when Job's children you know, all got killed and everything, right? What do you say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. First words out of his mouth. And they didn't come out of his mouth because he wasn't he was thinking about something else. He had secured that truth right down and cemented it in his soul. Our disciplines, um, prayer, word of God, the things that are going to help us on in this process of intimacy with God. So, I don't know about you, but maybe you're feeling like, I don't have those figured out yet. Great. That's what this is all about. This is going to be about each one of us, wherever we're at, figuring out how to learn from one another and get better at those areas. As we go next tomorrow, the next day, the next day, like what does that look like in my, in my life? Uh, identification of inhibitors. So we're going to deal um, with um, both um, the nature of sin and its implications to intimacy. And we're going to talk a lot about... Um, strongholds. I'll suggest that every one of us have strongholds in our life. And so what are those strongholds? How do we unpack them? And what do we do about them to overcome them and have victory in in our life? Um, And then we'll look at the Old Testament, we'll look at the New Testament, and we'll look at our own experiences in history to to, um, uncover men and women who have walked with God and know God, and we're going to learn from them. We're going to find out, like, like what were they all about? And how can, we, um, how can we acquire those same thirsts and tastes in their life? And last but not least, in-class testimonies, as you document, I'm really going to encourage you to get a notebook. We'll try to have three hole punches on all this stuff going forward. Uh, a notebook... Um, in the notebook, you, I'll suggest try to keep track of your homework there in one place. You know, I, when I was a school teacher, I taught junior high school kids, 
and uh, I call them pre-people, okay? And, uh, um, and I could demonstrate how I could go to a parent and I could raise the grades of any, high, any junior high student by one grade every year um, from what they were the year before. You know how? It's really simple. And I documented it, if you believe it. Showed them how to organize their locker. <laughs> and it is true. It's like, you know, when we get a little bit more organized in our life, we, we become far more productive against the things that are important. And then last but not least, uh, to be able to, ha- as you document your homework and your learnings and your observations and the transformations that are happening in your heart through this journey, we want to be able to take advantage of that at the end of our time together, not just then, but for sure then, and be able to hear from you what God's been doing and what God has done. And we'll look back and say, um, but God. Amen? Okay? Um, so last week we looked at Image Bearer, and uh, one of the great illustrations that Sammy um, shared with us was uh, a captain of a ship who's navigating major storms in life. And he, and he likened that our journey towards int- intimacy as the ability for a captain to uh, acquire, if you would, the things to do and how to, how to think as he navigated very difficult circumstances uh, as a captain. And so at, when we ha- have intimacy with God, we will be able to navigate the storms of life in a way that honors Him. Um, he talked quite a bit about the fact that this is a journey of, that has a lot to do with the position of our hearts. And we're gonna, you're going to hear this in each week almost. is like this is about a journey of our hearts towards something that is really valuable. Um, and he talked about ready, set, and go. And under ready, he talked about our goal, and that our goal collectively is, is it greater intimacy with God. He talked about the fact that our resolve is that we, we are going to need to, be, to assess our, our hearts and our, ourselves and be able to learn and choose and commit um, to a, a direction. Um, you all know the riddle of the five frogs on a log, right? No. Yeah, five frogs were on a log, five des- decided to jump, how m- uh, f- four decided to jump, how many are left? One. One left? Everybody think one's left? No. Logically. <laughs> Logically, but I don't think. What is that? Why are five left? Couldn't decide. No, one's left. No, he des- four decided to jump, four decided to jump, how many are left? Why? There's one on the bench, four in the water. <laughs> no, the answer, the answer is five are still left because deciding to jump is not jumping. And when we think about our own lives and this commitment that we're making right now, it's of utmost importance for us to understand like just making a decision in, in a meeting or in a, in a class or something about a direction that we want to go in does not mean that we're going in that direction. It means we made a decision. <laughs> Now, let's go. Okay? And so, ready, set, go. Um, our nature, we're going to um, come face to face with like, who we are in this process. It's going to be a journey of uh, learning because we're learning about God, we're going to learn about ourselves. And um, that may not be pretty. In most, of us, in most of our lives, it's probably not. It's certainly not in mine, I can tell you that. And so, as we learn about our own 
sin, our own uh, uh, things that are uh, strongholds um, that God is going to want to tear down. Um, like we want God to show up, and and that we want to be, have um, more clarity to those things and call them what they are. You, uh, Mick and I have been working for almost a year now or, or longer on 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 counseling and like these things and like the key thing to understand in diagnosing something is to what determine the root cause and the root cause in most of our lives almost invariably is 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 our hearts and sin when you unbundle it what what intimacy with god really means he talked about that he talked about this uh, original plan of god's um, from the very beginning in the garden and how it was perfect and that um, that fell and as a result, intimacy has been has been broken since the since the fall um, in, in 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 the world as we know it. And so God is in this process of calling people back to a place of intimacy. What a phenomenal phenomenal thing that's going on. And so the very nature of intimacy is that we would become like Christ. He, he said that, he said intimacy with God is real. Um, it's truth based. It's supernatural. It's divinely or, enabled and orig, originated. It's intense. It's fervent. And he called it intimacy with God is transforming. I'll call it progressive in nature. Think about progressive sanctification. It's progressive in nature in our lives. And then he called us to um, action. He gave us a call to action next, which was first and foremost what we'll call a cooperative renewal of our hearts. Cooperative meaning that God is in the process of doing this and we're in the process of doing everything we can in order to uh, assist that process. And then ransacking the truth and quieting our hearts in it. And so we become more like Christ through this process. We say no to sin. And um, our intimacy with God grows. And so that's what we asked you all to make a commitment to in our time last week. Um, if, you ha- if you have that 3 by 5 card, go ahead and put it in here. Um, write out what you want to commit to in this journey. Um, and then um, uh, there is a, 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 hand, a, a paper going around. Make sure you get your email on that paper if you could there. Um, that'd be great. So with that, um, I want to talk about uh, intimacy with God, and, and I'll call it crystallizing the call. Crystallizing the call. Turn with me to Psalm 24, and we'll get going here. Psalm 24. Crystallizing the call. Psalm 24 is a. It, it follows Psalm 23. It is literally the a bookend with Psalm 22 about um, in this situation the the second coming of Christ. Um, it's a bookend that talks about um, Mount Zion and the eastern gate through which Messiah will walk through. And so the meta the. the, the the, when it talks about lift up the, your head, O gates, in verse 7, and ancient doors, it's talking about that eastern gate. Um, but as we think about the question he asks in verse 3, he says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, 
who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord and the righteousness of the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face, even Jacob. So when we think about seeking his face, and we think about this being the generation, um, it's about men and women rising up who want clean hands and a pure heart and, and have a passion for him. And um, I'll suggest maybe as a metaphor versus a physical gate, Think about verse 7. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors. Maybe think about this as the gates to our, our souls, you know, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors. The King of glory may in, come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is this King of glory. And so as we think about just our own hearts, you know, there is an act of the will that opens up our heart, the the gates of our hearts, if you would, towards this journey at this time. Um, And according to this verse, he says, the generations who seek him in this way um, uh, and who seek his face are going going to be blessed um, in that way. So orienting, uh, an orientation of crystallizing the call, if you would. I'm going to break this down into three parts. They may, they're not going to be exactly weekly, um, but they will be this order: our quest, knowing God, our motive, pleasing God, and our worship, idols of the heart. Our quest, knowing God, our mo- which is what we're going to cover today. Um, our motive, pleasing God, and our worship, idols of the heart. One of the things that I've learned in all my life, whether it's in counseling or business or living my life, is I don't make much headway in anything unless I define the problem clearly. Problem solving is a simple art, but most people don't know how to do it um, because they don't define the problem clearly. If we were to define the problem clearly as to what is the problem that we're trying to solve in this journey together... um, I'm going to take you back to October 4th, 2000, um, because this was my problem. And when I opened a book from Chuck Swindoll called Intimacy with the Almighty, uh, I was stunned because right before me in my reading was my heart, it was my life. And uh, he, he defined that problem very clearly. And that started my journal towards intimacy. In fact, reflections upon my intimacy with the Almighty. October 4th, 2000. Um, first was intimacy with the Almighty with Chuck Swindoll. By the way, October 4th is my birthday. Um, and he, he describes this pastor whose heart was in it just for the motions and for the paycheck. And he shared confidentially with somebody about what was going on. And this is what he said. Put yourself in the same situation, maybe. pastor said, quote, Nobody around me knows this, but I am operating on fumes. I am a lonely, I'm hollow, 
I'm shallow. I'm enslaved to a schedule that never lets up. End of quote. The core issue, Chuck Swindoll calls it, is a lack of intimacy. The problem is stated in, in our lives is an absence of intimacy with the Almighty. Involvements, yes, but not intimacy. Activities and programs are plenty, but not intimacy. Inner satisfaction is neither complicated or mystical. But it does call for some radical changes in our life. Difficult changes. Unpopular changes. Lifestyle changes. Essential changes. Where? In the secret places of our hearts. The secret places of our hearts. Chuck goes on to say, we must learn anew to think deeply, to worship meaningfully, and to meditate unhurriedly. We must learn anew. When you learn something anew, I mean, it's, it's different. It's changed to, to your, how you think and everything, right? What's the, what's the single biggest change you've had to navigate in your life, personally? Anybody want to share? Go ahead. Engagement. Engagement, okay. <laughs> how did it change for you? Uh, a lot of ways. So, I think a lot of aspects, when you, I mean, you know, that it's weird because you know these things going in because you somehow you. It's like it doesn't matter. Like it won't ever sink in until you actually experience it. Amen. So it's like almost like in a Christ-like manner. I can tell you all I want about Christ and who He is, and try and share you from my experience. It won't matter until it sink, until you experience it for yourself, and it won't sink in. I love how you bridge that because you know a number of you were in this room went through our study on heaven, and the single biggest issue I shared with you was like, okay. How in the world can we get other people to be excited about heaven when we don't think very highly of it ourselves because we don't even know what it's going to be. We don't even know what it's going to look like. We don't even know what it's going to be like. And if we can't commend another person to heaven, how can we commend them to our God? <laughs> well, in the same way that Squall is talking about commending someone to engagement as one of the biggest changes in his life, I, with intrepidation, commend you to this process. And I say that that way because this is a, this is a journey I'm on also. So it's a fellow traveler telling you about something that is beyond all telling. <laughs> but yet, one must experience it to know that it's beyond all telling. Amen? There is nothing, absolutely nothing, of greater importance in the universe than knowing Christ intensely and intimately. He goes on to say, worship is a response. It's an active, unguarded response to God, whereby we declare His worth. How? In an intimate manner. Leaving Him room to touch us, to flood us with His peaceful presence. Okay, That's what happens. And so, there I was, 14 years ago, on my birthday, reading that, that declaration of my life. And so, I then said, if I'm going to move from where I'm at to becoming all God wants me to be, then I have to own that. I have to be able to say, I agree with that assessment of my life. I'd known Christ all my life. I, I, I've tried to live for Him and do the best I can. 
But I was not a worshiper of God. I had not come to grips with what intimacy with God really looked like and felt like and tasted like. And so I decided, put a stake in the ground to go on a quest, a journey, to be able to know what that is in my life. Um, So anything I commend you to in this journey has to do with that that decision of my heart on that day, at that time. Chuck Swindoll, Intimacy with the Almighty. Today's learning objective is to understand the, at the bottom of page one, premeditated decisions our hearts must make in order to pursue our quest towards intimacy with God. To understand the premeditated decisions our hearts must make in order to pursue our quest towards intimacy with God. Any observations about the words I used here? Pursue? Quest? Premeditated. Premeditated, and, what, and how did that mount come up? Come, how did that, uh, what, what, what did that conjure up? Well, it's a, it's a decision you make. It's something you're deliberate about. Yeah. And your decision to do that. Yeah. It's, not, it's just not going to happen on its own. Yeah. Um, it has everything to do with intentionality, right? <laughs> yeah, intentionality, right? Yep. And so um, I, I, Sammy, Dave, want nothing more for you to come with us. Okay, we're going. So come with us. Come experience and taste that the Lord is good. So crystallizing the call, three decisions of the heart I want to um, call you to. The first one I'm going to talk about today. The second one I'm going to talk about after that. And the third one I'm going to talk about um, after that. (laughs) And then I'll tell you what I told you. (laughs) So our quest is to intentionally yearn to know God and seek Him with all our hearts. To intentionally yearn, intentionally yearn to know God and seek Him with all our hearts. What, what does this word yearn bring to the table? Long, long, longing for it. Desire. You don't have. <laughs> right? You don't have. Think of, when I read this, I think of Peter. He says that the angels, you know, that the um, men of old looked, looked into the scriptures to try and understand the times of the Messiah. And I think it says, and, and angel, things in, into which angels long to look into, yearn to look into. They don't have the picture completely. But they're standing on tiptoes, looking over the over the wall, you know, jumping up and you know, trying to see what's over there about what God's going to do. Our motive, the second decision of the heart, our motive to purposefully live for the pleasure of the King. Purposefully live for the pleasure of the King. Many of you have heard my story on this one when I talk about um, chariots of fire. And I just love that movie um, when when Eric Little has declared, you know, um, you know his commitment to the Lord, right? And he, if you saw that movie, they're running on that uh, beach, right? And he says, "I, I, I, God has made me fast. 
and I and I and I run for the pleasure of the king. <laughs> I run for his pleasure. You know, I want us to run for his pleasure in our life. And if you remember, he's like just running like everybody else. And then all of a sudden, like he raises his head up and he's just running like that in an amazing way. His, his face was like up and he was, he was running the course that set before him. Um, yeah. It's, it's glorious to run for the pleasure of the king. Our worship, um, to honestly evaluate and deliberately or reorient the passions of our hearts. I'll suggest that every one of us in this room, including myself, has to do this. This is a call of all three of these towards a decision of our hearts. Specifically. To intentionally yearn and know God and seek Him with all our hearts. To purposefully live for His pleasure. And thirdly, to honestly evaluate our hearts. Where are we at? What needs to change? And then how do I reorient myself around Him? Uh, it's not in your, in your notes, but turn with me to um, 1 Peter chapter 2. Somebody want to read verse 4 and 5? 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. Coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. What was it? Five. Five. Also. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable God to Jesus Christ. So this concept of this coming to him is the idea of nonstop, continually coming to him. That's what the verb says. And coming to Him is because we believe that He is where the value is. That's why we come to Him. And so th- this is like a metaphor of us and our relationship with Him and, and our, our intimacy with Him. In your process of continually coming to Him as a living stone, one that gave us life and one that gives us life now. Rejected by men and choice and precious in the sight of God. He says Christ is very different Value, value for those in this world and God. God sees them as a choice precious stone. The world sees them as, as, as something to be rejected by men. But he says, you all as living stones, orient your life around the cornerstone. Orient your life around the cornerstone. So this process, this journey is about reorienting our lives intentionally around the cornerstone. The cornerstone of the church of Jesus Christ. The head of the church. So our quest to intentionally yearn to know God and to seek Him with all our hearts. Um, To say we want to intentionally yearn concludes that we conscientiously don't do that to the level we want to today. Is that fair? We don't. To the level we want today. We want to go on a journey that will teach us how to know God. We want to go on a journey that teaches us how to know God. This word know conveys the idea of a rich, a full, a thorough understanding that involves a degree of personal or intimate understanding of a specific subject. Turn with me to Jeremiah 9. Turn with me to Jeremiah 9. We're going to hit a lot, quite a few verses, so keep your Bibles ready to go. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Anybody read it? As soon as you get it, read it out loud. Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not a 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 man boast in his w
You wanted to you wanted to have God delight in your life, be intentional about knowing and understanding Him. Be intentional about knowing and understanding Him. He says that I also delight in these things called loving kindness, justice, and righteousness. Those who exercise, I am the one who exercises these things. And so to know here is to is to con- know a person intimately, um, personally, not about them, but to know them experientially, if you would. Um, Genesis five talks about um, Enoch, and he says that Enoch wasn't here because he walked with God and God took him. I want to be a man who walks with God to that same extent. One of the first people I'm going to talk to when I get to heaven is going to be Enoch. I want to understand what that looked like. Like that's that's really cool. Like how did that how did that actually manifest itself and work? The great news is we get a chance to be able to learn how to do that. The highest calling for mankind is to know God. The highest calling for mankind is to know God. In order to do so, we must first learn how to understand, how to fear, how to please, and how to worship God. We must learn how to understand, fear, please, and worship God. Let's look at Psalms 86, verse 11. Psalm 86, verse 11. And 12, let's do. Psalm 86, 11, and 12. Anybody? Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Guide my heart to fear thy name. I will give thanks to thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I'll glorify thy name forever. So in order for us to, quote, be taught by the Lord and therefore walk in his truths, he says, unite my heart to fear thy name. What does he mean by that? What does he mean by that? An undivided heart. Making me an undivided heart like that? Yeah? So what does that bring to the table that, that helps you understand better? What is, what, is, what is the enabler for God to teach me his ways? Have our whole heart. Have our whole heart. Yes. The word is undivided. Whole. All in. And that is a decision no one else in this world can make but me. But me. Only I can make that. Yeah. Yeah, please. Wow. That, that really sends, sends the message to many of us in this room, right? Because this isn't only about us. This is about raising a godly generation come to come. Jeremiah thirty-two thirty-nine. Thank you, Sammy. Um, so, in order to do that, we must acquire, cultivate, and nurture what I'll call a high view of God. A high view of God. And by the way, that only comes. It only comes from the scriptures. Only comes from the scriptures. We must cultivate a high view of God, Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2. In order to do that, we must acquire and cultivate and nurture a high view of God. Psalm 66, 1 and 2. Anybody? Heaven alone and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house where you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? 
for my hand made all these things. Thus all these things came in when I will look. So God is the one in the third heaven saying that I dwell in a... I choose to dwell, not that God's omnipresent, okay? But God chooses to dwell in a house or a home that is of a person, if you would, who is humble, contrite of spirit, and who trembles at my word. This idea of trembling at my word is the idea of he's blown away by he, he stands in awe he's stunned when he reads the scriptures because they like are life and they like grab my heart and they they change me um, and he says in order to do that I need to be humble and contrite uh, of spirit what does he mean by that like I submit myself to his leading and to his speaking into my soul as to the way I really am. Right? It's not putting another image up there that, I, that I'm not. It's like David, God says to David, like you're a man after my own heart. Like you want to hear what I have to say. Um, and you take it seriously. Okay, good. So, highest calling of mankind is to know God. In order to do that, we must learn to understand, fear, please, and worship God. In order to do that, we must cultivate a high view of God, which only comes through the scriptures. So this idea of nurture, cultivate, acquire, uh, um, garden is 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 is, is just a, it's a process of cultivation. It's not like I mean, if there's one thing that Cheryl can tell you right now, sure as shooting about about gardens is that it takes a lot of work, <laughs> and there's these silly things called weeds that just like come up all the time, and they. Keep the good stuff from happening, right? And you have to have a master gardener who's continually baking those weeds out. And the only way to do that is not to pull them up by the top, it's to take them out by the roots. Amen. Our quest. Why should we desire to know God, our God? Why should we desire to know our God? I thought that was important for us to take a look at. Let's, let's run through these verses together. Um, first, Isaiah 6.5. Isaiah 6.5. As soon as you get it, just read it. We're going to go through these quickly, but I think it's critical for us to get a sense of what this is. Uh, Go ahead. And I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Amen. So this is Isaiah coming to grips with himself. Um, Worship, by the way, brings a conscious... Clarity to the sin in my life. Like, it just like puts it on steroids. And, and here he's confronted with the holiness of God. He says, says, the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty, exalted, in the train of his robe, filling the entire temple. I could just see the, that you know, happening. And yet, he, you know, the, the confrontation was about his sin in his heart. And so, um, knowing our God is exposes the truth about us. Exposes the truth about us. Daniel 4.34-37. Daniel 4.34-37. But at the end of that period, 
great I, Nebuchadnezzar, raise heaven, and reason return to me, bless the Most High, and praise and honor him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven, the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can ward off his hand, oh, say, or say to him, what hast thou done? At that time... Sorry, yeah, keep going. Three, seven. Sorry. At that time, my reason returned to me, and my majesty and splendor were restored to me. For the glory of my kingdom and my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty, and surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of Heaven. For all his works are true, and his ways just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Amen. So we all know this story. Nebuchadnezzar walked like... Uh, you know, was out in the out in the field, right? And so, you know, his sanity, his clarity, his reason returned to him when it was almost like as soon as he was able to see clearly the King of Kings for who he really was, and that he was the one who was the giver of 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 all these things, and that his dominion is an everlasting kingdom. Um, so, it, it allows us to view our world properly. It gives us the framework for discernment. Like, like if I just thought this world was about me, then I'd come to con- different conclusions <laughs> than I would when I, when I asked the question, like, where is God in all this? Like, where is God in all this? Like, he gives me a, another completely different dimension to bring sanity and sense to every situation that I'm in. Um, next one is to trust him and be stronger in conflicts and trials. To trust him and be stronger in conflicts and trials. Stay in Daniel there. He says, Daniel 11.32. This is the time of the Antichrist in the very middle of the tribulation period. And he says this in verse 32. And that by smooth words, Antichrist will turn godliness, turn to godliness, godlessness those who act wickedly towards the covenant. And the people who know their God will display strength and take action. And those who have Inside among the people, those who are believers in Christ, will give understanding to the many, many, yet they will fall by the sword, they will fall by the flame, they will fall by captivity, they will fall by plunder for many, many days. He says, I will use the people who I raised up to, to glorify my name, and I will give them strength for the journey. They will be refined like silver in the fire, but I will bring them to conclusion. And I will be their God. Um, to gain understanding, discernment, and wisdom. Understanding, discernment, and wisdom. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Understanding, discernment, and wisdom. Another is to know the way, the truth, and experience abundant life. Brianne, what's your favorite verse? I've come to give you life and life abundantly. The process of knowing our God is a journey towards life abundantly. So, as I, and we're going to learn through, like, in the how to do some of these things, like the decisions of my heart when I choose to please God, usher in abundant life. The decisions of my heart when I choose to please God usher in abundant life. We'll talk more about that. I love this. I once had a thousand desires. But in my one desire to know you, all else melted away. All else melted away. 
Continuing on, to bear much fruit. John 15, we know for a fact in John 15, he says um, uh, that you would bear much fruit. Um, Turn with me to John 15. Somebody read verse 4 and 8. Abide in me and I in you. Branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to Okay, so the one who abides in me bears much fruit, and you can't do anything apart from me. Um, to experience intimacy with the Almighty, verse 10, he says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. This concept of abiding is this concept of intimacy. That is how it is realized. Like Abiding in Him um, is the sweet fellowship with the Almighty. To prove we're His disciples. He said, we just read that in verse 8. To prove we are His disciples. So this is like a demonstration of the fact that, that He is in us when we, when, when we um, desire to know our God and abide in Him. To be fulfilled and make our joy complete. To be fulfilled and make our joy complete. He says, he says right here in verse 11, He says, These things I have spoken to you, what? That your joy may, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Look at chapter 17, verses 13. Verse 13. 17, 13. He says, But now I have come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Made full in themselves. You know, I think of our study of 1 Peter, right? Chapter 1, it was at 7 and 8. He says, um, you know, uh, 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 I, I, I pray that you would have joy and have it, um, you know, abundantly. Uh, the word he uses there, let me read it for you, is um, inexpressible. And that you greatly rejoice and that it's full of glory. Full of glory. Another is to usher ourselves into spiritual dimensions. Spiritual dimensions. Turn with me to Romans 8, 36 and 37. Romans 8, 36 and 37. Somebody read that for us. Just as it is written, For thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. So has the situation changed of this that, that he's describing in 36 and 37? Has the situation or circumstance changed? No. How did the world see it? The sheep to be slaughtered. I think right now, what's going on right now in Iraq? Right now. What do they see them as? Sheep to be slaughtered. God says, my divine viewpoint's radically different than them. Let me tell you what my viewpoint is of my, of my people. In that situation, he says, verse 37, um, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. Let me tell you, when you reframe the situation and the circumstance to understand it from God's perspective, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. All the time, every time. And that's what knowing our God allows us to do, is it allows us to be able to understand the spiritual dimensions of what's going on. And that this is not, what I see is not all there is. And God has a different plan going on. I think you have to reevaluate what it means. Yeah. 
And in this, in this, it's about making much of God. Right. It's His name is at stake. And I want to suggest that, that the glory of God is at stake in our intimacy with Him. Because if we do not demonstrate, uh, if, if the outcomes of our intimacy with God are not demonstrated through our life, then the glory of God will be at stake in our lives. If that makes sense. Yeah? That motivates us to be like Him. It says, be holy as I am holy. Be holy as I am holy. And last but not least, to praise, worship, and give Him glory. To, re- to praise, to worship, and give Him glory. Give Him glory. Um, the glory of God is something that we'll talk about in one second. But my question next, before going into some of these verses, is this question. What are you obsessed with? I mean, just honestly, all of us can say something. But just honestly in your heart, in your soul, what are you obsessed with? Is it the glory of God? Is it intimacy with Him? Is it knowing Him? Is it seeking Him with all my heart? Is it, is it pleasing Him no matter what the situation is that takes place? And am I, going to, am I willing to put my heart on trial and ask God to change me when I'm not. That's the journey we want to go on. That's the call. How would anyone know or conclude what your passion is? Now, I think of Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. He talks about our, you've lost your first love. Like, like, and then Corinthians, he says, like, you've been bewitched. Like, the God, like our adversary has, has, beguiled you like he's he's done one on you to believe a lie is that somehow the passions and the pursuits that we are often running at are somehow going to fulfill us are somehow going to be marked for eternity are somehow going to make any difference in our lives he says i want to call you back to your first love i want to call you back to that which matters most you know, and, and, and I, th- I think about Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. I'll read it for you. You don't have to turn there. But Hebrews 2, verse 1, he asked this question. It's a very powerful question for me when I went through Hebrews. He says, For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. It is the very nature of our hearts to drift away from it. We must be intentional about it. To not drift away from it. Solomon said that wisdom begins with the knowledge, fear, and understanding of the Holy One. Of the Holy One. It is the Holy One who gives us understanding. It is the Holy One who gives us uh, knowledge. It's the Holy One who brings wisdom. It is the Holy One that allows us to have discernment in our lives. Um, and he says that nothing can compare to that intrinsic value. He says not gold, not silver, not anything else. And yet we live our lives as if it does. Like, like there's more value over there. We are exhorted by Peter and Paul to know Him. To know Him. Colossians 2. Turn with me there. Colossians 2. We'll probably finish up in another 5 or 10 minutes this morning. My apologies. Colossians chapter 2. If you have to go, you have to go. Would somebody read verse 2 for us? 
Okay, so Christ is the is the mystery of God. Christ is 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 the icon of the very Father Himself. Christ is the one in which all the treasure and all the wealth and all the value proposition of the entire universe is built in one person. Oh, to know you in the fellowship of suffering. Oh, to know you. Um, uh, in my life. Um, well, next he says, seek him with all our hearts. We can't know him until we seek him with all our hearts. Um, the great news is that God promises that, that when we decide to seek him, he will allow us to find him. There's some powerful verses here due to time. I won't be able to get into them, but take a look at them on your own. He says, you, you seek me with all your heart. I will disclose myself to you. Like, I will do that. I guarantee you, I am not out there playing hide and seek and trying to keep you from knowing me. You want to know me, I will show up. Like, I'll show up in the middle. And I will declare myself to you, um, is what he says. The position of our hearts is everything in our pursuit. The position of our hearts is everything in our pursuit. It's everything in our pursuit. There is amazing pleasure of discovery in the pursuit of God and His glory that will never, ever, 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 ever end. The great news is that, like, it's not about knowing God for this life only. Like, this pursuit's going to be on steroids forever and ever and ever. And we still won't even plumb the depths of God's nature and His character and who He is throughout all of eternity. That's how great a God we have. Let me commend you to His presence. Let me commend you to His person. He's worth it. He's like, He's, he's, sat, he's the only one that can satisfy us. Um, it is by becoming consumed with the glory of the Lord and through the process of beholding Him. Sammy talked about this verse last week. Like From encounter to encounter, as we engage Christ and God in the scriptures from encounter to encounter like he's transforming us as we are in the midst of beholding our God and so as we stand across from him in the scriptures and he speaks to us like he's changing us into the same image from glory to glory from one level of, 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 of becoming more like Christ to another of becoming more like Christ Moses said in Exodus 33, show me your glory. Why do you think he asked that question? What was that? Why did he ask that question? You you can ask me anything you want. Why was that so important? What is glory? His nearness? It's his being? His essence? So when he asked that question, it's like there's a component of nearness. There's a component of give me clarity into like your very nature, your who you are, right? Um, and so, let me give you a definition. It's it's something I pulled together. Um, I call the glory of God this. So, write down beauty, character, and light, and then look up here. <laughs> Hang with me. <laughs> All right. So, the glory of God is the majestic. Let me let me pause here. The majestic. Splendorous, jaw-dropping, multi-prismatic, 
beauty that emanates emanates from the radiant outshining of the aggregated attributes, all the character attributes of God's magnetic and infinite character. So if there's a if there's if there's radiant outshining of aggregate attributes, it's literally infinite in its in its multiprismatic nature, um, and it's manifested in inapproachable, inaccessible, unapproachable, inaccessible, explosive, brilliant, incandescent, lightning, white hot light. Turn with me to. Turn with me to. Um, 1 Timothy 6, real quick, and we'll close with this. 1 Timothy 6, uh, verses 13 through 16. Would somebody read that out loud? 1 Timothy 6, 13 through 16. Anybody? I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus who testifies a good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you can commit commandment without stain or reproach until the reappearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring about at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the gift kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. That's our God. The manifestation of light is his aggregate attributes of which they are glorious beyond all telling. And to know God is to know each of those individually and understand them. And so that's a pursuit worth taking. And so in closing, first of all, as we intentionally yearn to know God in all His glory, and we seek Him with all our hearts, He has promised He will disclose Himself to us. And this exciting journey will will be a never-ending pleasure of discovery that no other pursuit can ever rival. And it will fulfill us and satisfy our souls. I want to commend you to the pursuit of God explicitly. There is no other greater journey. And so I've given you a number of... Um, so next week we'll look at our motive and, our, and next one after that our worship. But I, look at the back of your handouts. I've given you um, a number of things. I've given you 16 verses to take a look at. Each one of these talk about God's glory. And I want you to figure out from them, like, Why? Why should God be glorified as a result of these verses? Okay. Second is I've given you a number of songs to listen to and uh, to be able to meditate on some of the words of those psalms. Um, number three here is videos. I've given you a, a number of videos to, to watch and to um, bring a different dimension into, into your homework, into your, into your worship. And then last but not least, on the back, I've given you a number of quotes from a number of um, authors as it pertains to knowing God and, and the pursuit of knowing God and the value proposition of just how that shows up in our life. And, um, and so hopefully that will be helpful there too. Um, any questions then for our homework for next time? Make sure you've given me your um, email address because I'm going to send you this also uh, um, and that way we can interact with you through the week as we go forward also. So where's that list? It's back there. If you haven't signed that, please sign that or put yours on there so that I can, I, I, we can have that uh, to be able to send out things to you. Um, anything in closing? Any observations or comments in closing? There is uh, a song that if you don't have anything to do, um, 
and you'd like to take five more minutes and listen to it, you're welcome to. If you have to leave, I understand that. Okay, But this song is called um, uh, uh, You Won't Relent. And um, it's about literally... Uh, I put it in there for you to listen to on YouTube too, so feel free to listen to it there. But I'll, I'll uh, turn it on here, and if you want to listen to it in closing, just uh, bow your head and listen to it. Great. Otherwise, uh, feel free to run out of here if you have to. <clears throat> Most people probably got to run. Relent until you have it all. My heart is yours.
culture. Yeah, it's very good. Oh, it's, it is so good. <laughs> I just love the lyrics. It's really helpful to read the lyrics. I, I, and I have a hard time. It's hard to listen and hear it. I am too. To tune in with the music. At the end. I have to focus. Can you have David? Can you read them real quick? I mean, it's like it's so yeah. powerful. Uh, you won't relent until you have it all. My heart is yours. You won't relent until you have it all. Your heart, is, my heart is yours. That's the. I set you as a seal upon my heart, as a seal as strong as death, jealousy demanding to quench. You won't relent until you have it all. My heart is yours. Won't relent until you have it all. Fire inside of me, come be. Come be the fire inside of me until you. Fire inside of me. Don't want to talk about it like you're not. Sure that you're 